right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson, and with me is Nick Springer. Hey. And uh, Nick was the one who started the NASCAR fight yesterday. He was in attendance. Yes. He was yelling yes. things. He was throwing things. It yep. caused uh, some people to get yep. uh, a little angrier than normal. That was me. It's all your fault. Um, no, so uh, we're going to have a fun show today. David Lesky is going to join the show at 340. We're going to talk a little Royals. We got three RCST trivia matchups. Guess what? We back. Internet back. Back. Phone lines back. You can't stop us. Can't stop that. us, squirrels. We're going to be on the phone with David Lesky, and our phone lines are going to drop. Can't stop us, squirrels. No, I'm taunting the squirrels. Those squirrels deserve <laughs> to be taunted. We dominated them. We dominated them. Back and better than ever. So we are going to stop our internet. We're going to have three matchups today. We have a final first round matchup, and then we have two second round matchups. So we'll start to uh, whittle our way into the sizzling 16. We got Case of the Mondays coming at you. Should be a fun show yeah, all Case of the Mondays for squirrels. <laughs> case of the, yeah, <laughs> they did it. Um, have you ever heard some of those like squirrel, uh, I don't know, like conspiracies? Like squirrels are like robots from the government that are just like spying so like on the, us. It's like the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Squirrels. No, I don't buy that. No. I you mean, don't? with birds maybe, but not with squirrels. Mm. I mean, you're a big squirrel fluffy, guy, as you mentioned. They're on little Friday fluffy, show. harmless animals. But wouldn't that be more reason to, it's, um, it's just a squirrel, you know? And then all of a sudden, boom. Dead. Then boom, what? It like know. shoots lasers out of the or something? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been in a fight with squirrel. Uh, anyway, I, I want to start off the top here. Um, very similar to that. Interesting quote from Bill Self on um, on the KU about release. About squirrels? Oh. No, I was just oh, joking. Okay. Oh. Uh, on the KU release that was made about Hunter Dickinson, like officially signing his whatever letter of intent or whatever it's called. Um, so I'm not going to read the the full like quotes and, and everything that he said, but this part particularly I thought was very interesting quote from Bill self. He shot 42% from three point range last year. He needs to advance to advance his game more on the perimeter to probably fit in what today's NBA big men look like. And we are excited to work with him on that. He's been well drilled. He's been well coached. He's played at the highest level. He's guarded the best big men in the country for him to come to Kansas and come to the big 12 definitely enhances our outlook for next year's team, being able to do some special things immediately. But it's the top part of that. That has me interested. Hmm. He shot 42% from three last year. He needs to advance his game more on the perimeter to probably fit in what today's NBA big men look like. And we are excited to work with him on that. So does that mean more threes? That's kind of how I take like, now, maybe this is just something that you say in recruiting, and then once things are all there, you're like, yeah, but that's not going to help us win games. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it does actually correlate with something that would help Kansas win games. They need more shooting, and if you're going to play Hunter Dickinson next to K.J. Adams, having Hunter Dickinson shoot you know, three, three-and-a-half threes per game as opposed to 1.7, yeah. that would be kind of perfect. Well, I mean, listen, we I don't know that we've really... Uh, dived into this this idea, but 
if your lineup is Dickinson at the five, KJ, Timberlake, El Marco, and Dewan, is that enough shooting? Is there enough shooting in those five guys? I don't know. I mean, Timberlake sh- certainly gives you more than enough shooting. Dewan can hit open set shots, but what is El Marco going to be as a shooter? I mean, complete or, or even if complete you swap, unknown. even if you swap El Marco with Arturio Morris, sure, still kind of a complete unknown. Yeah, still kind of you don't really know. You have a so better is, idea, is, but is that enough shooting? I don't know. Those five guys. I I don't think it's enough shooting to be like an elite shooting team, but, but is it enough need, shooting to be they, good enough? Do they need to be elite? Maybe not. If the defense is really good, and if you and have if you can Hunter throw Dickinson, Dickinson every time, right, scoring for you in the post, and you have other guys who can get you buckets with like Dwan or KJ, then maybe you don't need to be elite. Maybe you just need to be average. Maybe you need to be above average. But um, yeah, there's there's there are questions there. But one way to go about it, like if you just viewed it this way, let's say. Hypothetically, you had a team where your four-man shot three threes per game and your five-man didn't shoot any threes. That'd yeah. be about normal, right? I guess. Maybe not on last year's team because Jalen took a ton, but like in years yeah. past, that would be normal. Probably, for KU. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that could just be inverse this year. If Hunter Dickinson's taking three a game and KJ's not shooting any, if, sure. if those are your starts. Well, we've talked about it. Like, what, if, what's, what about the idea of if KJ is able to build more on his post game, if he ends up being like kind of your more lower post guy and you move Dickinson around all over the floor? Very possible. So I mean, but I, is I, that? But do you think that best utilizes Dickinson's skill set? If they do that, well, I don't. I don't think they're just like I. I don't view this as oh, Hunter Dickinson now is just going to be like um, a Matt Bonner or a uh, what was it Steve Novak in the NBA, where it's just like this big man who like he just camps for three, and if you leave him open, he'll make you pay. Like I, <laughs> I don't think that's what he's going to be. No, no, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying, like, more than he's been using the past. Last year is 1.7 threes per game. How much does that number go up to, right? If, if the idea is that he I mean, needs to improve on his— go up by half, right? Sure. So two and a half, three, two, three so and a half, some of that range. If he's 1.7, let's say it goes up to 2.5. But is that realistic? Is that realistic that Bill Self is going to let a big man just chuck up a bunch of threes, especially a big man like Hunter Dickinson who is so good at getting baskets at the post? Yeah, probably not. So that's the question. That is the question, right? Like, Bill Self in his mind is probably thinking, if Hunter Dickinson takes any shot that's not a post up, it's bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not. No, I mean, I, I think they'll let him get some threes, but the question is, like, is it going to be a th- one and a half threes per game where it really isn't that different than what he's done in the past? Or do you go back to this quote and say, no, it, they are going to make an emphasis on him taking two and a half, three, three and a half per game? Well, we, I thought the pick and roll thing was interesting because KJ and Dewan really, really did very, very well yeah. with that. They had a lot of success with that. They obviously have a lot of chemistry with that. So would you continue to do that, or would you try to throw Dickinson in there instead? That's a good question, because with Dickinson, you could not just pick and roll. You could pick and pop yes. because of the three-point shooting Correct. ability. Yes, but you also have that short roll that KJ did where he would get the ball in the high post, and he's a, was showed himself to be a decent passer. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. But I, I will say that does help, though, that you have both KJ and Hunter Dickinson are good passers. That helps to have, if you're going to play two bigs to do that. Um, but, I mean, you just saw KU have a, a team that – had Zach Clements and Cam Martin on the roster, and they yeah. did not really get used in that way where it was like, hey, we're going to run a bunch of pick and pops with these guys. Now, was that just because Bill Self doesn't like big men that pick and pop? Like, that's not the style he wants to play? Or was it because those players weren't good enough to or be on the was floor? It because Zach Clements shot 20% from three. That's also part of it. And I think that goes back in line with that other part. Like, was it just because those players weren't good enough so that A, they weren't on the floor enough? B, when they were on the floor, they were your fifth option, so you didn't yeah. trust them, so you're not going to run an offense around your guy who was the fifth option. 
Yeah. Which of those is it? I think Maybe all of those in wrapped into one is probably correct. I think so, too. Plus, also, Cam Martin ends up getting hurt. You know, that sets him back. But, but yeah, with, like, the Zach Clements thing, like, yeah, he if he was on the floor, he was your fifth guy that you were trying right. to get the ball to score, right? Like, if Zach Clements is on the floor with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris and K.J. Adams, all four of those guys are going to have opportunities to shoot the ball before Zach Clements did. Yeah. Right? Well, it's like with Clemens, when he came in, we heard so much about uh, the idea for Bill Self was going to be to use him like he did with Matthew Hurt. Bill Self coached the under-18, the FIBA under-18, like, U.S. team. And on that team, it was Matthew Hurt who ended up going to Duke. He was a top-10 recruit in the country, five-star. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who was, you know, top, I don't know, 20, top-20, top-15 recruit in the country, big man who went to Villanova. And that he played both of them together. And that Jeremiah Robinson Earl basically was your center defensively, but your or, or I'm sorry, your your like power forward defensively because he was a little more mobile and Hurt was more of your center defensively because he was a little less mobile. But then on offense, they were able to play Jeremiah Robinson Earl like as the big and, and Matthew Hurt was able to stretch out and you were kind of able to invert them together and, and you know mix them in different ways. And with Matthew Hurt, they were really successful, you know, and, and he got him a lot of threes and he got him a lot of open looks. And the idea was, oh, you have Cam Martin and Zach Clements like, this is what Bill Self ran for that team when he had those types of bigs, but that didn't end up happening with both Matt, with uh, Cam Martin and Zach Clements. But could you even do that with KJ? Because he's he's six seven, he's not six nine. Well, I, I think the idea here more is in line with like, I mean, you just played KJ at the five all last year. It's more in line well, not with because like, they wanted to. I don't. Think. But I, I guess I'm more viewing it as like, does Bill Self have it in his arsenal to? get his five man basically a good amount of threes per game, right? And I think that when I when I compare it with with both Cam Martin and Zach Clements, like the reason Cam Martin and Zach Clements didn't have that opportunity to me is because they couldn't stay on the court because they weren't like in the case of Cam Martin, yeah, I got injured and stuff, but like maybe Even they weren't that. good enough rebounders, maybe they weren't good enough defenders, maybe they weren't tough enough for Bill Self, whatever it was that with Dickinson, he does rebound well enough. He is tough enough. He does score on the post. He's going to be out there such a long period of time. He is your top option. He's not your fifth option on the floor like when those guys came in to where it does make more sense to draw that stuff up for him. Like, basically, he gets to earn those three-pointers, and the other guys didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. No, that, that, that could be it. And you're right about that. Dickinson's going to be your number one option. And he'll be your number one option whether he's shooting twos or shooting threes, probably, right? So that's possible. I, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I have, I have questions about how consistent he can be shooting that many threes. Like, is he, is he going to shoot forty two percent on three threes a game? Yeah, no, gonna, that's, that's a totally fair question. It's one thing drop. to shoot forty two percent. The year before, you I think he same, was. You can have the same discussion with Dewan Harris. Sure. Yeah, I think the year with before he was volume, 33% on two attempts per game. Yeah, with, with more volume, that doesn't always equal the same percentage Yeah, with more volume. It's like, are you getting more volume because you're more open and you're allowed to shoot it more, or are you just getting just more situations where you're taking them, right? That does matter. I, I do have uh, in front of me a list of past KU big men under Bill Self to average one or more three-point attempts per game. It is a short list that involves five players. That's it. In 20 years? Yes. To give you an idea of, well, how much can we really expect? 
Now, to be fair, at the beginning of when Bill Self took over at KU, that wasn't really the norm, not just at KU, but around college basketball. Most teams were still playing two big men, and it was more about, you know, attacking the rim, stuff like that. Marcus Morris, in the 2010-2011 season, so his junior year, he took two threes per game, shot him at 34%. Okay. That's about on the high end. Markeith Morris, that same year, junior year, 2010-2011, he shot 1.6 threes per game at 42%. So basically exactly what Dickinson did. Yes. Could you hypothetically put those two together, though? To create Dickinson. Correct. Because you wouldn't have, because you have KJ. Right. To where you say, well, Marcus and Markeith shot combined 3.63 per game on at that point about, I don't know, 37, 38% from three. Would that be a realistic expectation? Could that be? Yeah. That still seems high to me from what I expect to happen, but like, it's there, I guess. Yeah. But individually... You're looking at two. Perry Ellis, his junior season, 2014-2015, he took 1.43s per game at 39%. Perry was more of a four-man. Uh, but Perry then, his senior year in 2015-2016, shot 1.73s per game, and that was at 44%. And even he didn't, like, start, you know, launching. But, but <laughs> I think that one's interesting because Perry was so good with his post footwork and, like, on the block that you didn't want to take away. Every so often we'd see once or twice a game, he'd run that little elevator screen. He'd end up up top. Like somebody would screen for him. The big man would stay below and he would like wait half a second and then shoot that three and he would knock it down a good amount of the time. Is that what we're going to see with Hunter Dickinson where it's like, oh, we'd prefer him to be on the post back to that conversation where it's like, yeah, he's only going to take two a game. I kind of think, yeah, I kind of think that might be what it is, is that Bill Self is going to prefer him taking those shots from the post. And that's what he's going to be prioritizing. Yeah. And then you have Diedrich Lawson, which maybe this is the best comp because it is uh, kind of the the most recent. And Diedrich was your All-American big man. And I think there are some solid comparisons between Dickinson and, and Lawson. I think, obviously, Dickinson is bigger. Dickinson's a better uh, defender, I would say. I think both struggled in space. But in terms of just like a post defender or like, you know, protecting the rim, Dickinson's probably better there. Dickinson's probably more like powerful. But Diedrich also had such a good, like, feel for I mean, I don't know. If, if if Dickinson puts up the numbers that Diedrich Lawson had, then, like, you're going to be more than happy with that season. Yes. Uh, but, but Diedrich averaged two and a half threes per game at 39%. That number would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that as you said, that could be a good comparison for, for what Dickinson yeah. might do. Uh, I'm trying to think, though. But is that enough? Is that enough threes for both him to be happy with his NBA progression, for him to improve on that, and for KU? I think it'd be. I think KU would be happy with it. Okay. Would he be happy with it? Does he want even more? I mean, that I still would be the most he's had in a, in a college season. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if he's coming to KU with the expectation that he's going to be doing more of that. I don't know. Based on that, it kind of sounds like that's the idea that part of, well, not the only idea, or but maybe part, part of the, the idea point. is we're going to make you a better NBA option. And to do that, you need to shoot threes more because you defending in space, you're 7'1", 260 okay, pounds. That's, that's that, not going to like change. Take the statement that you just said. Is Bill Self saying that? No, he's not. He did in the quote. He's not. <laughs> I don't think he's saying that. Again, we want big he men needs to, to advance his game more on the perimeter to probably fit in what today's NBA big men look like, and we are excited to work with him on that. Okay, he didn't say... <laughs> <laughs> Go shoot more threes. What else does that imply? I, I, it, it just implies that you just, I don't know, you need to get. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, man. I think that's pretty clear to me. 
Um, again, that that it's clear to me what it means. It's not clear to me whether it'll actually be put into action. Right? Again, that or, could be or recruit the speak. range of action that it'll sure. be put into. Correct. Uh, now, for what it's worth, Zach Clements was at 0.9 three-point attempts the last two seasons, which isn't a lot. But then when you think about Zach Clements only playing five minutes per game. It's kind of a lot. Could that hypothetically mean that there is room? Because if you just extrapolate that out, if Zach Clements is playing 30 minutes per game, that's like five or six threes per game. Okay. 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 <laughs> that'll never happen. Stop no, that'll bus. never happen. That'll never happen. First of um, all, he'd get benched before he could get up five threes, I think. For sure. 100%. Third one goes up in yep. like the 15th minute. Yep. You're done. You're done. See ya. Um, so for what it's worth, by the way, Matthew Hurt also, during those FIBA U18s that a lot of people talked about that brought up the idea that, oh, Bill Self could do this with, you know, shooting big men. He uh, was 12 of 20 in six games in that tournament. So he was shooting 3.3 per game, but it took him shooting 60% to get up 3.3 per game. Right? Yeah. So I think the answer here lies closer to Diedrich Lawson to me. Okay, so but do you think... again, if we combine the Morris twins and we look at Hurt, that's closer to three and a half. So I think Let's say, two and uh, a half to three is what I'm Dickinson looking at. Dickinson gets really hot from three. Would that number just uptick for like a stretch like a, of time? Are you just talking for like a game or are you talking for like, you like know, a, he's hot for a month or whatever? Yeah, like a three-week period. Yeah, I think so. I think you would probably they, look would, at like, it. Let's say, would they let him shoot more threes at that point? Well, yes, yes, because here's why. I think it is the type of of game plan or whatever with Hunter Dickinson where it's like if he starts 0 for 2, he's probably not shooting another 3 that game. Probably true, yeah. He starts 2 for 2, he might get to 3 for 4, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that makes sense. Um, But it's definitely interesting because when you start totaling it up, this is a conversation we had several weeks ago about like, how is Kansas going to get to their number of threes? Yes. They averaged last year 23 pointers per 84% of their three points. Yes. So if they if they shot 23s a game and you just start I mean under, you would need Timberlake to shoot like 7. But is he going to be on the court that long? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Right? If if he only plays 20 minutes per game, which I don't know, maybe he could play 30 minutes per game and that that changes things. Well, right? if you extrapolate out Zach Clement's shooting, then he would easily get to however many per game. But let's say hypothetically he only plays 25 minutes per game. So in between that 20 and, and 30 minute mark. Um I don't know. Maybe he's getting up five threes per game in twenty-five minutes. Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's a very solid number. That's if a, it's that's, twenty-five, I mean, that's minutes, pretty high, right? Yeah, in twenty-five minutes specifically. So if he's getting five a game, yeah. um, let's see. Dewan Harris last year averaged two. Maybe it goes up to two and a half. Yeah, two, two and a half. Let's say Hunter Dickinson's at two and a half, just to make it round. That's and now we're at ten. Ten. So we're at ten between three guys. KJ zero. KJ zero. Ernest zero. Ernest zero. Um, what Marco, are we looking at? One and a half. Sure, two. I guess. I mean, you could let's let's just say two. Arterio, now you're twelve. Two. Arterio, two. Now you're fourteen. Who's left? Jankovic. Jankovic coming off the bench. <laughs> uh, I mean, Chris Johnson or Jamari McDowell. I don't know if either oh, would be okay, in the rotation. Yeah. Maybe one of them is. Maybe we give one three per game there. Yeah. Now you're fifteen. Yeah. And then uh, Marcus Adams looked really good in that All Star game over the weekend. How much is he going to play? I don't know. Well, I guess if you add Mbako, he probably gets two. Maybe more, maybe three for Mbako if he's known as a good shooter. And then maybe you give two to Marcus Adams. So that gets you to 20. But even then, I feel like I'm stretching there. Because I could easily be like, ah, Dickinson, not two and a half, it's going to be yes. two. Dewan, yes. two and a half, ah, it's going to be two. Yes. Or, t- or uh, El Marco, two, could be one and a half. Um, Absolutely. Timberlake, he might play 20 minutes, maybe so it's only four. So what if four, they just right? shoot less threes? Is that a bad Possible? thing? Well, Would that be a bad thing? 
it's it's a bad thing if you're a good three-point shooting team or if you're an average three-point shooter. It's not a bad thing if you're a bad three-point shooting team that you're not taking as many because then you're not taking as many shots that you're not good at, but then it's also bad because you're a bad three-point shooting team. Does that make sense? No. It's not a bad thing you take less threes if you're a bad three-point shooting team because that means you're taking more shots that you're probably going to make. Yes. But it also would be bad because to be a successful team in March, you need to be a team that can shoot threes well. Generally speaking, yes. Or So if you're okay. shooting less threes because you're bad at it, it means you're bad on, at it, would, which is bad. I would kind of push back on that, though. Like, I think you can be a subpar three-point shooting team, but if you have like a guy or two guys that are knockdown shooters, then it's fine. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I so mean, like it's, if it's all about if, if as a how team, it comes together. If as a team you're shooting like 33 or 34% from three, mm-hmm. but then you've got Timberlake who's like a 43% three-point shooter and maybe Dewan is shooting like 40%, then it's probably fine. I want to say the 2017 maybe? I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of 2016. So 2016 North Carolina, they lost in the title game, but clearly they got very close to winning it all. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that would have been the worst team to win a title from three-point shooting. They shot 32.7%. That was 259th in the country. Typically, if you're not in like the top 200, you're not even probably making a Final Four. So can you get above that at least? Can they? I, I think that's the point, though. This team is not going to be an elite three-point shooting team. Can but, you just yeah, be good exactly, enough? But do can they be need, good enough? Do they need to be? Probably Maybe not. not. Maybe no. not. Because right. if you're getting tickets in five million post ups a game, then it's all fine. It's sure. All good. Well, you yeah. go back to the uh, 2019 20 team for Kansas. That team was the number one team in the country on Ken Palm by a wide margin. That team was 132nd in the country at 34.1%. Exactly. Doke Azabuke, as great as Hunter Dickinson's going to be, he'll average more points than Doke did. It won't be as efficient as Doke did. Doke at 75% or whatever. Um, you also look and at that team, Devon Dotson. Probably not as good on defense either. Sure. Yeah, that team was the uh, number one or number two defense in the country, but I, I don't know. I, I'm taking that defense over anybody uh, else. Who was number one that year? Because now I'm. That's weird. Um, number one team was, oh, okay, Virginia. But Virginia that year was 234th in offense. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, bad. They can obviously do it, but you have to be at least like average <clears throat> in the country, in my opinion. They could do that. I think they, they have the pieces 34%. there. Four percent. They do, but it's it's hard when you look at it and be like, how but are they going to piece this I together? I think if you're thirty four percent, but you have Timberlake shooting like forty four percent, then it's fine. Hmm? That's fair. And then you just give him the ball in March. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, David Lesky's going to join us in less than fifteen minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN or KLWN.com with. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, and joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. The Royals fall over the weekend in a three-game series to the Oakland A's, who have been very, very bad. Um, I, I guess is this is this rock bottom, David? Are we at rock bottom officially? Uh, I'm going to uh, quote Buddy Bell and say, "Never say it can't get worse." So, I would love to say this is rock bottom. I hope it's rock bottom. I hope I hope Saturday night when they lost their second in a row was rock bottom and everything from one ten Sunday afternoon forward is is on the way up. Um, Buddy Bell taught me that we can't we can't know that. So <laughs> okay, great. That's uh, that's where we are now. If the A's had swept the Royals, would you have said that that was rock bottom? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I, I I mean I think. Yeah, I, I don't. 
again, never say it can't get worse, all that, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, it'd be tough to get worse. Than, than, I mean, look, the a, we came into that series, and the A's were – they had all sorts of MLB worst evers on their – on their resume, so yeah, not not great. And then and I think that you know the broadcast is the part of their job is to spin things. Um, and sometimes though it's not inaccurate. The A's had been playing better baseball. Better baseball was still really, really, really bad baseball. So yeah, it was it was bad. It was not a good look for the Royals. I'll say that. <laughs> Well, uh, over the last week, I guess one positive, Bobby Witt Jr. kind of picked it up since we just talked about him having a sophomore slump last week. I think he had right. two home runs over the last week. He had almost 1,000 OPS over the last five games played. Um, is it enough? Is it sophomore slump solved? Yeah, it's over. We're good. Everything's okay. <laughs> good. Um, yeah, Witt had a good week. Massey had a good week. Um, Isbell had a good week before he got hurt. Prado had a good week. Melendez had a good week. So, yeah, everybody's good. We're, we're done. So, yeah, we can just wrap it up. Thanks for calling. Um, we'll talk next week. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, well, so uh, David Lynch, is or Daniel Lynch, excuse me, um, is, is getting ready to get back to the majors and everything. He just pitched at the uh, minor league level. What are your expectations for what he's going to bring when he does come back and what he could bring this season, both in terms of, you know, I guess for him personally and his future role with the team. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to expect. Um, it, it appears that he's probably going to get Yarbrough's start on uh, Friday. Yeah, Friday will be the day. Um, based on who they brought up for Yarbrough going on the injured list after he got uh, hit in the face yesterday, that was awful. Um, so it looks like he's back. He just threw. 71 pitches, I think, at AAA, three and a third innings. I mean, it's kind of very Daniel Lynch, and or you might want to say very 2013 Danny Duffy. You know, it's hard to differentiate between the two of them, honestly. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know. Personally, I would give him another rehab start. And so I'm a little bit concerned about that because he's coming back from a shoulder injury. I don't love the idea of putting major league stress on his arm when he's still working his way back, and he's only made two rehab starts. That said, he threw 71 pitches the other day, or yesterday, not just the other day, yesterday. He could, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure it won't be a big deal. What we want to see is the same thing, when we talked about it in spring training a little bit, but what, what what's important to see from Daniel Lynch is he needs the fastball to be at the top of the zone and above it. When it gets down into the into the happy zone, he gets hit hard because he doesn't have elite movement on his fastball. Guys can you can win with a mediocre fastball, but you have to locate it. And where he needs to locate it is up. Um, if he can do that, he's got a good slider. He's got a good curve. I mean, he he has good stuff. It's just the location, the command has not been there, and so that's the biggest thing. And and you know, we twenty like what a month ago. We were going, well, what are they, what are they going to do when, when Daniel Lynch comes back? They've got they've got five starting spots locked down. Now you're like, please be good, Daniel Lynch, because <laughs> Bubich is now out until next July. Singer has an eight-and-a-half ERA. Keller is just walked you, actually. Um, <laughs> in, a, in a strange turn of events, he just, he just walked another batter, and it was you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they, they need Daniel Lynch. Um, he... 
he's going to have a long leash, just like Brad Keller right now has a long leash, just like, I mean, Brady Singer deserves the long leash for what he did last season, but he is going to have a long leash because they don't have options. He is their option. And, uh, you know, Ryan Yarbrough, I, my, in my opinion, when they signed Ryan Yarbrough, they figured, okay, he's probably our eighth starter. And it's the five that we thought were going to be in the rotation, Grinky, Lyles, Singer, Keller, and Lynch. And then I think, in in my opinion, I think they they obviously had Chris Bubich ahead of him. And then I think they had uh, Jonathan Healy ahead of him as well in the pecking order. He ended up being the sixth starter because Lynch was hurt and Healy was terrible. Um, now he's hurt, obviously. So it's, it's a, a, a nation watches with... Uh, <laughs> With bated breath for Daniel Lynch, I guess. With the recent news about uh, Fran Mill Reyes, I guess, what do you make of that, and what what where does that story go from here? I suppose. Well, I think there are some good things from that. Um, as far as him getting DFA, just whatever. It, it's they tried something, it didn't work, no big deal. But in the past, have they moved on from those? I don't think so. I mean. Not that quickly. It's not like, I mean, I guess. I no, guess like think back to Carlos Santana, how long that took last year. Well, but that, that was different a little bit because that was a two-year deal. Um, but, I mean, I'm thinking about guys who they signed. I mean, he signed a minor league deal, but they, look, we, we all knew he was a big league. He was going to be on the opening day roster if he didn't completely tank and spring training. And so, you know, they, 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 they let it go for a little while, but honestly, he didn't flail at the big leagues for that long, and I feel like him getting demoted was a good sign there that the organization is you know, willing to move on from a mistake. I think him getting DFA'd is a sign they were willing to move on when it didn't work out, and I shouldn't say mistake, because I, I just don't think it worked out. I think it was the right decision. I think they made, a, they made a smart choice to sign him, and it didn't work, and that's okay. They should do that every single year until they're good. And and even when they are good, probably. So um, I think it says a lot that they're willing to admit defeat on something. And that's not – maybe maybe we knew that already. We, we, this is also something we talked about. In past years, the world never admitted, hey, we're not going to be good this year. Sorry. I don't I don't, I don't mean to be bad, bad news, but we're not going to be good. They never said that. It was always, this is the year we're going to turn the corner, blah, blah, blah. They came into this year and said, look, we need to evaluate this team. Um, we're not going to win. If we do, we'll be happy, but we are not going to win. And they were honest with where they are, and I, and I think that their evaluation of themselves has gotten better. Um, now we'll we'll see how if it if it translates to something else. But that, I think that's a good sign. You said that honesty, but how do you think that plays? I guess from the fan perspective, like yeah, you can be so honest about this, that, or the other. But I guess from the fan perspective, what? How do you think that message reaches to fans? I don't think it matters unless you eventually win. Um, JJ Piccolo is at a huge disadvantage. Um, some of it is his fault because he was part of the front office that was here before that put them in this hole. Um, some of it is not his fault because he's not dating more. And no matter what people think of, oh, he's dating Moore's right hand man, blah, blah, blah. He's not, that's not who he is. That's not, he's not dating more. He, he runs a different program. Um, I think we saw that immediately when he fired Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred right after the season ended, um, like maybe on the plane ride home, honestly. <laughs> um, we saw that he was different. And, and so he's, he's up against 
fan perception that he is just Dayton Jr. Um, and so I don't know if this was a different, if this was somebody who was brought in from a different organization and made the exact moves that were made, I think they would have been received a lot better. If they said the exact two words he said, I think they would have been received a lot better. Um, I think that ultimately the only thing that's going to smooth things over with fans is to win baseball games. And it's, it's to win 81 games in a season first, and then it's to win 88 and go to the playoffs, and then it's to win 98 and go to the World Series. That, that's that's what will get it done, honestly. And, and anything short of that probably won't matter. Well, I mean, to your point about some of the moves that they've made, I guess when you look back to the offseason, obviously Aroldis Chapman you know, looked to be a good signing. So far it has been, and certainly it'll look even better uh, depending what kind of package they can flip for him at the deadline possibly. But um, – like some of those signings at the time, like with Jordan Lyles, for instance, at the time, it was kind of like, what, really? Like, that's it? Like, that that's all they're going to do right now? Um, so I guess just looking back at that, should it really have been expected that they weren't going to be anything other than what they kind of are right now based on the lack of activity of what they did to help some of the young players on the roster and, and seemingly just say, hey, we're going to let you guys fail, but you're going to fail together and we're going to figure out who's good and who's not? Yeah, I mean, I think that their message was pretty clear, right? Their, their biggest signing was Jordan Lyles. Their second biggest by money, uh, yeah, was Chapman, and then it was Ryan Gavro. And when that's your when that's your off season, I mean, they're they're telling you, they're telling you what they believe. Um, it's a matter of what, whether you want to listen or not, and I think that's okay. I really do. Again, the problem that, that I think J.J. Piccola runs into is that he was part of that front office. And so if the Royals had brought in, well, let's use Matt Quattrero. If they had brought in, if Pedro Grafal had gotten promoted instead of Matt Quattrero getting hired, he would be facing the same scrutiny that J.J. Piccolo is facing because it would have just been, well, there's the bench coach now, the manager. Why, why, why is nothing changing? Now, Matt, that's maybe not the best example because people seem to really hate Matt Quattrero right now. I don't quite understand it, um, but it's, it's kind of fascinating, honestly. Um, but the point is, I, I, I think that if another general manager came in and said, look, we've got to figure out what, what we have because there's talent. There's talent on this roster. I mean, you don't look, you don't look at some of the position players. You don't say, okay. Bobby Witt Jr., no talent. No, he's got talent. Benjamin Melendez, same thing. Vinny Pasquino, same thing. Salvador Perez, I think that, that's a little different because he's a veteran. I think another GM may have come in and traded him, honestly. But um, Nick Prado, yeah, we want to see what he has. We don't know. I, you look at this roster, and I think it's difficult to say, well, there's not a core in place. No, there is a core. Well, we, uh, potentially a core. And so I think that if another general manager had come in and said, we're not going to make many moves. We're going to see what happens with these guys, and then we're going to figure out what to do after that. I think it would have been received differently than what the current front office basically said the same thing. That's basically what they told us. I mean, some, in some ways with words, but in other ways with actions. When you start looking ahead to the schedule now, because of how far they have kind of fallen back, and, and record-wise it doesn't really seem to be about, I don't know, the – like, like, is it that big of a deal if they go three and four one week versus four and three another, four and two, two and four, whatever it is? Um, what are the things you are looking for in like coming weeks? Like, are you still evaluating how difficult or or the schedule maybe easing up a little bit? Like, does does that still matter at this point in time just to make things feel a little bit better with 
with, uh, I guess, some of the um, where this organization is kind of going moving forward? Like, like, how much does that matter when you're looking at things ahead from here on? Or is it just literally only about like some individual stories of, of how much they can get from those players? I think wins and losses are still important. Um, they don't change anything at this point, but winning helps development. And so I think at some point they've got to go on a stretch, but it doesn't have to be 17 and three in 20 games. You know, it doesn't have to be that. They need to win 12 or 20. You know, not, not anything where you're, you're like, wow, that, this team is, has finally turned a corner and they're elite. No, you got to say, okay, they're capable of doing this. So we need to do that at some point. Um, but I, I, I think, more importantly, I, I think Thursday, Thursday's game is an absolutely perfect example of a loss that you feel good about. Because they, Jordan Lyles, who nobody cares about, he's here to literally throw five to six innings every single time he pitches. That's his job. Whether he gives up one run or eight runs, his job is to throw six innings. Right? I mean, that, that's what he signed for. Not a great spot to be in, but that's, that's what he's here for. So he gave him eight runs. Who cares? But you know what? The offense came back, and they came back with young guys. They came back, and I think the fact that they came back is, is really noteworthy, so that's a good thing. But the, the, the players who mattered did well, the players who don't matter didn't do well. And, and you look at that sort of game, and you go, it would have been really nice to win that because they were down 8-1, to one, they got up 9-8, to eight, and then they lost. But also, eh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's fine. They didn't because the players who we wanted to see do well did well, and the players who we couldn't care less about didn't do well. And that, so I think there are instances where that's what's more important. All right, well, uh, the tough one of all tough ones when you lose a series to the Oakland A's, although in all reality there were a lot of really good hitters from this past week, and uh, you know whether it was, uh, I don't know, I guess Edward Olivares was like kind of the one that really struggled this week, but Bobby Witt and um, a lot of different players to choose from. So I'm actually curious who your answer is this week. Who is the player of the week? So they actually had 10 guys with a way that runs created plus of 100 or better this week. Very good. Um, wow. I think it was last week. There were two guys. So <laughs> the, the offense has been considerably better for like two and a half weeks now, which is like half the season, honestly. Um, the answer, I mean, I, I talked about all these young guys. Salvador Perez, he, he, he hit, this is, his numbers are kind of crazy. 391 with a 481 on base and 913 plugging percentage. So let me, let me give you the number that I, I, I assume you're sitting. I want to make sure you're sitting before I say this. All right, I'm sitting. Do I need to sit 11, specific way, like crisscross applesauce? 11.1% walk rate. He walked 11.1% of the time this past week. I don't think he's ever had a week where he's walked 11%. No, that's not true. There was a week in, oh, what year was it? Was it 2013 or 14? He walked in six straight games, and everybody was like, oh, did he figure out plate discipline? And then he didn't walk again until, like, June. It was early April. <laughs> but, yeah, Salvador Perez worked some walks, hit four home runs, player of the week. A lot of candidates, though, but he was he was the best. I think you need to refresh that page. I'm not sure that's right, David. <laughs> I, I did it twice because I thought it was wrong. And I was like, no, I put it in the wrong parameters. No, it's right. <laughs> well, lovely. Well, David, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you are our guest of the week. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Woo. <laughs>
<laughs> he is David Lesky. Check out all his work inside the crown. Uh, subscribe to his Substack. That'll do it for uh, our appearance with David. That'll do it for the first hour of the show. We got three RCST trivia matchups coming at you in the four o'clock hour. A little case of the Mondays after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're back for more trivia. We have one final first round matchup, and then it's all second round for the rest of the week. And uh, we'll finish things off today in the first round. Andrew Wymore, Kristen Martin was supposed to go Friday. We mentioned we had all sorts of technical difficulties. Our internet was down. Our, our phone lines were messing up. Like it, it was just a huge problem. We tried doing a different matchup, and we didn't have a way of recording the audio. So we reenacted it for you on Friday. But we were like, eh, I don't want to do that for both matchups. So uh, Andrew Wymore, Kristen Martin, 314 in the 23rd Street Brewery region will be our first matchup. Our second matchup will be between the three seed Kyle Martin and the 11 seed Lane Gillespie. And then uh, the six seed Blake Farrell will take on the three seed Andrew Wymore or the 14 seed Kristen Martin, whoever wins. So it'll be a doubleheader for whoever wins the first game in the 23rd Street Brewery region. Once again, RCST Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Home Field Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And, uh, one of our title sponsors, Pella Windows and Doors. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. Got a Windows and Doors project? Pella Kansas is here, locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with Windows and Doors solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at PellaKansas.com. We are also brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence where you can be part of the neighborhood porch. Of course, there's now 13 locations of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. You can try the Nuke Lulu's Pizza or any of the other great pizzas, whether you're getting a whole one or just a slice, buffalo chicken dip, Wilson wings, Everything on the menu, awesome. And how about trying the blue collar lager? Beer you can only get at Johnny's. It's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. All right, into our uh, final first round matchup between uh, Andrew and Kristen here with RCST Trivia. So the three seed Andrew Wymore, the 14 seed Kristen Martin. We tried to do this on Friday. Now it's happening on Monday. Um, Andrew, you have gone 32 and four in questions. You have a phenomenal four under your belt. Last year you were upended in the second round to Doug Crumpton Murray, who became one of the big stories of the tournament. Uh, what's your motivation level? What's your emotions headed into this version of trivia? Well, we just want to come out and uh, put our best foot forward. We know that Kristen is a worthy competitor, probably underseeded. Uh, we don't think the committee did us any favors on any of those past uh, success uh, that we've had. So uh, we just want to go out and give it our best. And Kristen, um, y you last year made your trivia debut, and you almost upset Andrew Filer who was the two seed, I, I believe, in, in last year's. And you were 15, so you moved up a little bit in the seed line. You almost pulled off the victory there. Uh, do you feel better about this edition, or, or was that just kind of a, a special circumstance for you? What are your emotions headed into this thing? You know, I think I got a little lucky last year, um, but the technology, technology uh, issues may have given me a little bit more time to prep for this for this matchup. So, I don't know, maybe over-preparing is... Uh, not a good thing, but we'll see. 
Yeah, okay, so that was something I was interested in for, for both of you guys with the extra couple days you had. So you said you used it to your advantage to study a little bit more. But I'm also curious from your end, Kristen, um, you're going to be going on a, a vacation here. You and Kyle are, are both going to be uh, going somewhere. So, I mean, this is the day before the vacation, correct? That, that's usually a hectic day where you're trying to get all your travel plans together, make sure the parking's right and checking into your flight, all that sort of stuff. Has that been a hurdle at all to overcome today? Absolutely. I feel like I hit kind of a wall last night trying to pack, trying to study. Work is very busy this time of year. So uh, just trying to juggle a lot of plates and we'll see which ones drop. Well, Andrew, you had the few extra days. Did you do any extra studying? We, we know you you attend like every game. You have season tickets. You go to all the games. So you live a lot of this stuff. But did you do any extra work over the weekend? I really didn't. We were a little bit under the weather uh, this weekend. So um, it's a flu game. There, there was not. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get into the matchup here. So uh, we actually, when we were trying to do this on Friday, we had uh, Andrew going first and Kristen was going to go second. And we actually got the first question off, which was a really easy one to Andrew. So we're just going to do that again for transparency's sake so that we don't you know, mess with anything and, and we can continue on where we were originally. So we're going to get into the matchup. And the first question for you, Andrew, in the really easy round, Kansas shot a season best 57% from the field in this 95-67 to 67 road win against what rival from the SEC that used to be in the Big 12? Misery. Yep. <laughs> and the pronunciation will work as well. Misery, Mizzou, Missouri, however you wanted to pronounce it, that is the correct answer. So uh, on to you, Kristen, your first question in the really easy column. Kansas had a season best 13 blocks in this 69-64 to 64 neutral site win in the Champions Classic earlier this past season against what ACC opponent? Uh, I believe that was Duke. That was Duke. Yep. Duke, Kentucky, or Michigan State. Those are the three you can play in the Champions Classic. Duke, the lone one from the ACC. All right, we're through the really easy round. We're going to move up to the easy round. Back to you, Andrew. Name this Jayhawk who won three of the six nationally recognized Player of the Year awards in the 1987 to 1988 season. Danny Manning. Danny Manning is the correct answer. And looking back, it's like, how did he only win three of the six and not all six of the six? But he did win three of the six. All right, Kristen, this one for you. Name this Jayhawk who won all six of the nationally recognized Player of the Year awards for the 2016 to 2017 season. Uh, I think that was Frank Mason. That was Frank Mason. Swept the awards and one of the Jayhawk greats. A couple of Jayhawk greats there with Danny and Frank. Okay, we're moving up to the medium round. Things getting a little spicier here. On to you, Andrew. Tyshawn Taylor began his KU career wearing what jersey number? Eric, you know how I am with these jersey numbers. I think questions. you lost on a jersey number question last year, I believe. These yes, are hard for yes, everyone. I, <laughs> I think I, um, I've lost some jersey number questions twice. Ten seconds. He finished wearing number ten. Five. Fifteen. Fifteen is the correct answer. You lobbed it out and you got it right. So, Andrew, was that a, a guess, educated guess? Uh, take me through that. 
just you know somewhere in my head i had an image of him wearing number 15 so that's right then uh would he give that number up for elijah or something or i forget what happened of why he changed but you are right he finished his career wearing number 10 after he began wearing number 15. i don't know why all right uh kristen for elijah okay there you go boom for elijah johnson so, Kristen. Now I'm, I'm going to miss this one. I knew that. Well, you get a bonus point for that, but it's just a pride point. doesn't count for uh, the questions here. All right, Kristen, <laughs> for you to push us to the hard round. LeGerald Vick ended his KU career wearing what jersey number? think two unfortunately number two is what he started his career as (laughs) number 24 is what he finished his career as before he uh kind of left the team midway through the season so that's unfortunate Kristen I I take it based on your knowledge of the Elijah Johnson stuff would you have gotten the Tyshawn Taylor one correct I would have that's unfortunate that's unfortunate for you uh for Andrew would you have gotten the LeGerald Vick one correct I I did have 24. Okay. I don't know that I could have told you what he started with um, immediately, but yeah, for some reason I do uh, remember him wearing 24 at the end of his career. Well, Kristen, you fall short here, but you know you moved up a seed line last year. Um, I, I think once again, going up against one of our trivia mainstays here in Andrew, you can move up another seed line if you come back next year. Uh, I'll see. Are there plans to come back next year? I mean, what's, what's you the know, thought? You know, the last... Two years have been Kyle kind of poking at me, telling me that you were searching for more participants. So you always are. I don't know that I'll be jumping right into it, but if there's people needed, I bet you can count on seeing me. There we go. Well, uh, you're, you're due for that first round win coming up shortly. You've taken two Andrews who are uh, really good in this event to the wire. Andrew, uh, meanwhile, you get through. You're moving on to that second round, and I think. Uh, you've kind of been like the Villanova a little bit of this tournament. You have, I believe, two second-round appearances, but you've lost in the second round, and then the one year I think you didn't make the second round, you went to the Phenomenal Four, or that you got past the Phenomenal Four. So um, is that is this the biggest game in the world now? Is this just the one that you need to get over the hump? Well, we always look at these things as just a series of two-game tournaments, Derek. <laughs> so um, that's how we'll... We'll uh, prepare for this one uh, coming up here in a couple of hours. Yeah, and yeah. If if I'm not mistaken, uh, has there ever been a double header um, competitor in Rock Chalk Sports Talk trivia history? No, I was just gonna say you're gonna be the first to be as part of a double header, and I was gonna ask you, do you think that's an advantage or disadvantage? Because less time to study, but also maybe you keep the momentum up. We don't think about it that way, Derek. You know, we just put blinders on and try to keep a tight huddle, and um, we'll be all right. Okay. Well, we'll see Andrew later today against Blake Farrell. Guys, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Kristen. Have a good one. Man, so Andrew scathes by Kristen there. Those are tough. Those jersey numbers are, are always tough just in general. And then when you get to the guys that have changed jersey numbers – uh, then it gets even tougher. Those could have probably been hard, to be honest, as opposed to medium. Um, so not, you know, Kristen shouldn't feel bad about the loss there. And, and she's had two good performances. She's just had kind of cruddy seating. Um, but I don't know. 
I, I hope she does come back next year. If she does, maybe she moves up to the 12 or 13 line, and, and maybe that's enough to uh, get that first first round victory. Andrew Wymore, though, now 35 and 4 all time in answering questions, and that'll be a heck of a second round matchup, which will be our second second round matchup between the six seed Blake Farrell and the three seed Andrew Wymore. That'll be our last matchup of the day here. Coming up next, we have another three seed going, and it's the husband of Kristen Martin, Kyle Martin, the three seed in the Pella Windows and Doors region, taking on the 11 seed. The newcomer, our former RCST producer, Lane Gillespie, going to be joining the show with Kyle in our next matchup. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rat, Print, and Skate. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. The first round is complete. We move on to round two of RCST Trivia coming up next on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app, and the best of RCST podcast. Back in a moment. Welcome back in for more RCST trivia here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Once again, RCST trivia, our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print and Skate. River at Print and Skate has screen printing and a skate shop. Embroidery and promotional products are also available with art and logo creation, plus they're KU licensed. They have skateboards, longboards, paddleboards, and safety gear, and a large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. And they can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts and hats. Follow them on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop and at river at skate shop for the skate side. Skate side. Give them a call at 785-371. So uh, our first second round matchup now between the three seed Kyle Martin and the 11 seed Lane Gillespie. Winner of this becomes our first Sizzling 16 member and gets a gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery. Gets an RCST trivia t-shirt from River at Print Skate and tickets to a Sporting KC 2 game. I'm looking forward to this one, man. Those three eleven matchups, sometimes those can be really good, and I think this is going to be one of those. Listen, we're into the second round now, so uh, my my expectations for each match are increased, okay? We got through the first round. There was a couple of cupcake matchups. These need to be high-quality matchups, in my opinion. You're in the second round now. No more messing around. You better do your studying, and you better come ready to play. Yep, I think that's well said. And uh, so with that being said, let's just get into the matchup. This is our first second-round matchup of the day. It's the three seed Kyle Martin against the 11 seed Lane Gillespie. This is in the uh, Pella Windows and Doors region, which is your top right region. Lane, I want to start with you. You made your trivia debut last week, or two weeks ago. You were like one of the first, you might have been the first to go. I I can't remember. It seems so long ago now. Uh, You won the game. You only had to go to the easy round, though, so you got through. Uh, So what are kind of your thoughts headed into round two now? Um, I have finally done a lot of studying. I didn't do any studying in the first round. I did quite a bit of studying now, but uh, I also brought some good luck charms with me. Um, we're in a KU jersey, and then this is this is a bit of a flex. Um, I know uh, people on the radio, they can't hear it. I have game-worn shoes by Mitch Lightfoot. Ooh, wow. So this is my, this is my good luck charm. Uh, if you're curious, he's a size 16. Wow. So, <laughs> so... Uh, I have good luck charms with me. I actually did some studying. I looked over some final stuff today. Uh, however, if I'm still at the point where if we get to the really hard, I'm probably going to really struggle. <laughs> well, that's usually everybody does. I, I was looking. Nobody has gotten a really hard answer correct this year. We had one very, very close to getting it, but yeah. nobody's gotten one right this year. Uh, we made the declaration last year, and I'll just remake it this year. If you get a really hard question correct, you will automatically get a trivia t-shirt. Now, you guys will get prizes, whoever wins this one, and you will get a trivia t-shirt if you win this anyway, which if you get it really hard, you're probably going to win. But nonetheless, um, 
Lane, uh, what number jersey do you have that you're wearing? Uh, it's just number one. Okay, so, so number one. This could be, uh, well, I guess I won't say any players in case the jersey number question comes up. Uh, Kyle, meanwhile for you, you are the three seed here. You're on to the second round. You've made the second round in all four of your trivia appearances. We... we Tried to get you on Friday, but we uh, if you if you heard the the podcast or on the show, like we tried a million different ways to get the audio. We didn't have it, but it really did happen. Would you please back up what actually happened? Did we do a good job with the reenactment on Friday? A uh, phenomenal job with the with the reenactment until Nick went a little off the rails uh, <laughs> at the end. But uh, uh, yeah, the that really happened, uh, including Derek reminding. Um, the contestant to uh, think through the context. <laughs> I had to convince Isaac Filer, my wife, like it, that really is how it went down. Uh, completely legitimate. Uh, and I think the first time I've ever advanced on uh, one question. So uh, expecting a tougher road today. Yeah. For- yeah, you you were maybe due for one of those though with the the tough paths that you've had to travel. Your, your wife fell short to Andrew Wymore earlier today. She put up a good fight though. So do do you feel like you need to get any vengeance here, or I don't know, or is this just completely separate? I mean, I, as far as I know, Lane hasn't been studying with with Andrew Wymore, um, so I think we're we're clear there. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard the questions. Fair, good questions. We went over that this weekend, uh, but that's a tough one to remember. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, no vengeance. Just uh, you know, clear head. Hopefully, uh, get a W today. All right. Well, uh, whoever wins this moves on to the sizzling sixteen, and for doing so, you receive a gift card to Twenty Third Street Brewery. Great spot to watch all the games. You can check out the outdoor patio. Check them out in Lawrence. You get an RCST trivia T-shirt. That thanks to River App Print and Skate, where you can get all your embroidery work, promotional products. They have skateboards, longboards, paddleboards. The whole shebang, and you're getting tickets to a Sporting KC2 game with them playing right here in Lawrence over at Rock Chalk Park. So uh, plenty of prizes up for grabs, and the prizes stack the further you go. Uh, with that being said, let's get into the matchup. Lane, you are the lower seed here as the 11, so you have the option. Do you want to go first, or do you want to go second? It worked last time, so I'm going to go second. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right, so that means, Kyle, you're up first. And we'll start in the really easy round of questions. This will be the final round that we actually start in the really easy. Once we get to the sizzling 16, we start in the easy. All right. For you, Kyle, fill in the blank. Blank chalk. Rock. That is right. I was a little worried about that question at first when we put it down because it's only it's one blank and then one word. But I don't know. KU fans should know that. Yeah. Okay. Lane, for you, I need you to fill in the blank. Blank heed. H E E D. Yeah. There we go. Pay heed. Again, one I was a little worried about because not a lot of context there, but yeah, you guys nailed it. You could have included to all who enter. I, I guess, but then, well, I guess I could have put Jayhawk on the, the first one to make that a little easier. Whatever. They got him right. All right, back to you, Kyle, into the easy round. This Jayhawk All American wing who wore the number 34 was back to back Big 12 tournament MVP. In 1997 and 1998. Paul Pierce. That's right, Paul Pierce, the correct answer. We had uh, a Paul Pierce one go awry last week, but this time Kyle able to hit the Paul Pierce correct answer. All right, Lane, for you. This Jayhawk all-conference wing wore the number 25 and was named the 2006 
Big 12 Freshman of the Year and was also Sporting News Freshman All-American. What's his name? Brandon Rush. That's right. B. Rush. A couple great wings in uh, KU history who both have their jerseys retired now. All right, we're moving up to the medium round for the first time in the tournament for both of you guys, actually. Uh, okay, back to you, Kyle. Kansas won 84-74. to in the 2008 Big 12 Tournament Championship game against what school? Texas. That's right. Texas is the correct answer there. They had a lot of games with Texas in some of those Big 12 championships in that kind of mid-2000s to late-2000s range. All right, Lane, for you, first medium question you've had this tournament. Kansas won 72-57 to in the 2008 Sweet 16 Against what 12 seed? I believe that was Villanova. Villanova, the correct answer. The 2016 and the 2018 Nova ones stand out a little bit more, but that one was uh, a lot of fun. I guess they just beat them last year, too, in the Final Four. All right, we're moving up to the hard round. Pick up the intensity, pick up the music, pick up the mood. Back to you, Kyle. This is where champions are made. Kyle, this Yellow Jackets guard scored 29 points to lead Georgia Tech over Kansas in the 2004 Elite Eight. What's his name? Uh, It's one of two guys, I think. So I'll go with Jarrett Jack. That is correct. Who was the other name that was going around in your head? Was Was there a Bynum on that team? Might have been. That sounds kind of familiar. Andrew Bynum? I don't know. No, I Andrew, not Andrew. Sure not there. Andrew. No, I, like Jared Bynum or something? Did he go to Jared? I don't know. Anyway, don't know Andrew you got the right answer. That's all that matters. Yeah, Jared Jack. I would have got that wrong. <laughs> okay, Lane, back to you. This Boilermakers forward scored 26 points to nearly lead a Purdue upset of Kansas in the 2012 second round. What's his name? Oh, my God, it's on the tip of my tongue. He was a college basketball analyst, Robbie Hummel. That's right, Robbie Hummel. Sometimes you just got to talk it out. Use the clock wisely. All right, we're headed to the really hard round. Here we go. First spot in the sizzling 16 on the line. Back to you, Kyle. Kyle, in 1961 to 1962, Kansas went just 7-18. Who led that team in points per game with 20.7 per contest? Uh, Dobbs? The correct answer is Jerry Gardner. Jerry Gardner amongst KU lore. Over 20 points per game. Pretty good. All right, Lane, you got a chance to pull the upset here and do what you didn't think you could do before the the event started. Answer a really hard question correctly. Lane, two years later, so 1963 to 1964 season, Kansas worked back above 500 just barely. They went 13 and 12. What player led that team in points per game with 18.4 per contest? trying to think of players I know from the 60s. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know a whole Ten lot seconds. of guys in the 60s. Um, Lob something out there. Going, but Bud Not a bad guess. You get a name out there. The correct answer, though, is George Unseld. George Unseld. Okay. Those were two tough, really hard ones. All right. Well, they all are. We're going to go back to the hard round. Back to you, Kyle. In the 1991 Sweet 16, Kansas got 23 points from Terry Brown to lead the way to an 83-65 to win over what school? Indiana. Indiana is the correct answer. There were some great battles between KU and Indiana in uh, kind of the 90s. Uh, Just kind of back and forth, the Bob Knight years and everything. And that is the correct answer there. All right, Lane. Last time Kyle got a hard correct, you followed it up and you moved us to the really hard round. Back to you, Lane. In the 1993 Sweet 16, Kansas got 24 points from Rex Walters to lead the way to a 93 to 76 victory over what school? Ten seconds. Um, I'm, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's wrong. I'm just going to go with Purdue. Purdue was a different 90s year. I think that was 94, so you weren't far off there. Okay. 1993 was against Cal, the Cal Bears. Okay. I can't I'm remember if Jason that. Kidd was on that <laughs> team or not. So uh, I, I, mean, believe he, I believe he was. Yeah, okay. So uh, I guess first things first. Uh, Kyle. You got pushed to the limit here, but you found a way to get through, and congratulations. You are now just one of, well, I guess you're one of one. Uh, Eric Hansey is the only other player who has made all three previous Sizzling 16s, so he'll have a chance to tie it with you. But as of right now, you are the only trivia contestant to make every Sizzling 16 all four years, so congratulations, man. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that, Derek. It's been, uh, it's been a, a, a fun road so far, so I get to keep it going. Always look forward to this. Well, and then this is where you're going to try to get over that hump. I know that next game is the one that that's going to mean the most to you, uh, no matter what. From there, but you're about to go on vacation here. So, what is that going to yeah. mean for for your chances at trivia? You know, moving forward. Well, first, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I don't remember what your Dobbs led us in scoring. He's in there somewhere. But uh, <laughs> Kristen's going to be mad at me because she she hit me with that Jerry Gardner question probably like two, three, four times. I got wrong every time. Wow. So I was glad I could keep that going today. At least I'm consistent. <laughs> but it was a name I'd heard, and I knew he was right in there. So, uh, yeah, I I go on a vacation with her. So first she's going to be mad at me, and then we can enjoy the rest of the trip. Uh, somebody uh, whose wife tells them that they don't listen enough to her. I feel your pain. Um, Lane, <laughs> going to you here, man. I, I feel bad because you, you, you clearly showed your worth today. We didn't get to see – like we knew you knew your stuff, but we didn't get to really see it in the first round. Today, even though you lost, we got to see it. And I think very clearly you proved yourself that should you come back next year in trivia, you're going to be a much higher seed here. What did you think about your overall you know, first performance in trivia this year? I'm very proud of myself. I already knew Kyle Martin was a, was a pretty, pretty, pretty tough guy to go against. So, you know, I was – kind of hoping that you know i would at least push into the limit and i did um you know we got to the really hard round uh i'll definitely be back next year this is a lot of fun 
Awesome. We love hearing that, man. And like we said, look for Lane to be a much higher seed next year. Kyle, congrats moving on to the Sizzling 16. And uh, guys, good work today. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Thanks Kyle. Wow. So what a great matchup there. We got to the really hard round. Ends up being uh, the, the, the second hard question that kind of does in the matchup there. I think both contestants should feel good about it. Kyle obviously feeling good because he's moving on. Um, in the case of Lane, like he, he should hold his head very high after yeah. that performance. Okay, a couple things I want to break down from this. Mm -hmm. Number one, big shout-out. Also, thank you, Kyle, for giving a shout-out to us for our reenactment of the first-round <laughs> matchup. So appreciate uh, appreciate you bringing that up because I thought we did a great job. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that, that uh, the people enjoyed it. So go us. I guess go me specifically. I'm the one that did it. So I'm going to take my bow. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much. You don't have to clap if you don't want to, but if, I if won't. you do, it's fine. Yeah, um, okay. I'll pass. Well, okay, that's fine. That was the first one. Number two, yeah, I thought Lane did a fantastic job. Uh, I didn't know what my expectations were for him. You know, he's we have some contestants in this field that are of the younger generation of guys, right? You know, that maybe some of those older questions might get him. And I thought Lane did a great job. I thought he really held his own and obviously went to the really hard round. I think in in this competition, anytime you go to the really hard round, win or lose, that's a that's a really good performance. Right? Yeah, like for that's sure. that's a that's a really really good performance. So you have everything to be proud of if you make it that far. Uh, even if you don't end up winning the matchup. So uh, I, a lot of kudos to Lane. And Kyle, listen, he's not a guy that I think we have been really talking about that much as someone who could potentially win the tournament. But does he need to be in that discussion? Oh, I think so for sure. I mean, again, he's he's made to the sizzling 16 now all four years. That shows consistency. And he, I, I hope he gets over that. I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't be rooting for people, but, like, I just – He's gonna have to face I, either, I like to see guys have, break through. He's going to have to face either Brett or Steve. Yeah, which is a tough matchup. I mean, Steve's who we played in the second round, and it, I think went to the hard or the really hard round. Uh, he did get through last year. Brett obviously upset a two-seed. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup either way, but like he definitely is somebody who can win it all. We, we've seen this tournament. Guys who have gone far in the past, Tyler, who won it last year, loses in the first round. The difference between making the deep run and not is not that far. And so to show the consistency that Kyle has shown – by being in the picture, by being in the mix every year, yeah. like if you keep if you keep being in the mix, eventually you're going to break through. Eventually yeah. you're going to have that one long Listen, run. You can't win if you're not there, right? You yeah. can't win if you if you're not in, at least in a position to, to right, right. So and he and he's put himself in position. It's so like it's like Bill Self through. with elite eights, right? Like Bill Self <laughs> had had some trouble in the elite eight round, right? Like he okay. lost in in two thousand four with Kansas, then he lost no seven with Kansas, um, then he obviously wins it in 08, but then you lose in the elite eight again in in twenty eleven. I guess he won it in twenty twelve. They lose in back to back elite eights in in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. And at that point, what is the record like? I think he lost it in an elite eight uh, at Tulsa, and then maybe won it Illinois. So like at that point, his elite eight record is like I don't know two and six or two and seven or something and the talk is like oh can you just not get it done in the elite eight in reality i think it just sometimes marches random and it's hard and like yeah you know if, if you keep giving yourself cracks at it, eventually you're gonna break through and what have we seen since then bill self went to the uh won the elite eight game as an underdog against duke in 2018 in 2022 they win their elite eight game so like eventually there's gonna be a run coming your way you're gonna break through if you keep getting there and we'll see if this is the year for kyle or if you know it's it's not meant to be this year but either okay, way you've convinced me i didn't pick him but i'm i'm flipping my pick okay Give me kyle there we go all right, well, uh, we have one more second-round matchup coming at you today. It is another three-seed involved. Andrew Wymore, who took down Kyle's wife in the first round, is going to take on a six-seed with Blake Farrell. It's the first-ever 
trivia doubleheader for a contestant. That'll be for Andrew. Does the fatigue wear in? Does the the energy mm. is that still up? Right? Yeah. Did he get a coffee yeah. for the first matchup? But you know now the coffee's worn off. I, I guess we'll find out. We'll hear from Andrew coming up next. Once again, <laughs> RCST Trivia, one of our title sponsors, Twenty Third Street Brewery. Great spot to watch all the games. Check out the patio outdoors. Perfect for the heating up weather. They've got some shade and umbrellas out there, so it's not going to be too hot. You can even bring your dog. They've got great service, great beer, absolute classics on the menu. Check out the new Fitzgerald Reuben. You can check out the Haney Turkey Stack, the Hank Booth Burger, Bill Stuff mac and cheese all of it great 23rd street brewery in lawrence all right back for that next trivia matchup next on rcst with klwn depend on it so our third and final trivia matchup of the day it's our second second round matchup and it's the three seed andrew wymore against the six seed blake farrell with nick springer i'm Derek johnson you're listening to rcst trivia on rock chalk sports talk brought to you by johnny's tavern pella windows and doors 23rd street brewery river at print skate mini jerseys jayhawk trophy home field apparel sporting kc2 mcdonald's and mr d's auto wash this is the 23rd street brewery region which we didn't have a chance to talk earlier today it's now set so do you want to make second round picks or it's since we're already in it, do you feel like it's too late? Uh, I don't think it's too late. I mean, I think I've already been clear that Brian is my favorite in the region, the four seed. Uh, but I like Eli from the bottom half. And this is an interesting matchup. Uh, Blake, I think, I don't remember, did his round go to the easy or did it go to the medium round, his first round matchup? I think it might have gone to the medium, maybe the easy, I don't know. Uh, versus Andrew. It so, went to the easy. He won in the easy round. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- this, this game I think is maybe more of a toss-up. I would probably lean more Andrew, though. Uh, but uh, but Blake, I believe he's the one that has the newborn baby, which has been yep. a boon to some contestants in this competition of the past. So maybe that. No, that was Ben. I'm sorry, that was Ben. We we got our sixes mixed up, right? Uh, well, there were multiple babies. Ben was one of them, and I think then it was ben. Uh, I think I'm thinking of Ben. Okay, never mind. Sorry, Blake. I don't think Blake has a baby. Somebody else had a baby too, though. And now I'm I'm freaking out, and I know I'm gonna remember it, it as Blake? soon as we. I'm gonna feel like a jerk because these people tell us these life things, and I'm gonna be like, well, "Are you if kidding we, me?" What if we just say, "Blake, congrats on the baby," and then just <laughs> roll with it? I'll let says. you say that. I'll let you say that when we get into it. Let's no, just do it right now. No, Let's, I'm not no, okay, okay. Because what if I'm wrong? <laughs> then you feel like, well, I mean, we're already talking about it right now. <laughs> He's gonna hear it later if he doesn't I, hear I, it right I, now. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, uh, congrats I'm, on the baby, or. Uh, congrats, congrats on, on having more free time. I don't know. Baby. One of the two. I don't know. Something, that sounded mean. Yeah. That's not how I meant it to come out. Uh, no less. We should mean. probably stop digging ourselves wow. a deeper grave. Garrett Let's, does no, not you know, like No, babies. I do. I do. I, I love babies. But that's I, uh, what you, you just cannot said. Argue, what you just you said. have more free time when you don't have a baby. That's no argument. Um, I don't. I would know. Right? I've never had a baby. Yes, you have more free time. Well, I don't know for sure. You would I mean, prefer I don't, to I don't have know. the baby. I'm I mean, not I saying have free like, time now, but if I have a baby, would you know I have more free okay. time? Less we're we're time? digging ourselves a deeper grave. I, I don't want to keep this. Doing has this has been Baby Chalk Sports Talk. <laughs> Let's just get into the matchup. This is a three seed with Andrew Wymore taking on the six seed with Blake Farrell. So Blake has gone two and one in trivia on the basketball front for his career. Seven and one in questions. He went two and zero oh in his first round to advance on. For Andrew, he meanwhile. Played earlier today. He becomes the first contestant to ever have a doubleheader in trivia. He is uh, now 6-4 on advancements, 35-4 on questions, went to the medium round in that earlier matchup. Uh, Andrew, let's start with you. Uh, Do you feel rested? Do you feel recovered from your first matchup to get ready for this one? Yeah, that one only went a few rounds, so we're in good shape. Okay. Our stamina's not that bad. (laughs) Okay. We we, We got a deep bench. Blake, uh, meanwhile, you only had to go to the easy round to win your first matchup. How do you feel headed into round two? 
I feel like this is going to be a lot more difficult, so I hope I can do my best. Do you like being the lower seed here where maybe there's not as much pressure on you? Maybe you can play the underdog role? I definitely do because I think think Andrew is definitely the favorite in this one, so we'll see what happens. Andrew, what about you? Do you you feel uncomfortable being the favorite at all, or you know, is that out of your rearview mirror? Like I said earlier, Derek, um, we just put blinders on, keep a tight huddle, not really concern ourselves with that kind of stuff. Andrew has mastered the the coach speak here. All right. (laughs) So the winner of this one is moving on to the Sizzling 16 in the 23rd Street Brewery region. And whoever wins will receive the following prizes. A a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, a RCST trivia t-shirt from River at Print and Skate, and tickets to a Sporting KC2 game. You can check out Sporting KC, the team of next pros for the top team with Sporting KC. They play right here in Lawrence over at Rock Chalk Park. Uh, Blake, you are the lower seed. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I'll go first. All right. Blake first, Andrew second. Starting the really easy round. On to you, Blake. Fill in the blank. Beware of the blank. Fog. That's right. I've had uh, someone, I won't say who, keeps wanting me to do uh, like spelling bees, like spell this player's name. I could do spell fog, but spell I don't want to. This is not a spelling bee. This is a trivia competition. Spell you don't cast a <laughs> Okay. For the really easy. That is not your question, Andrew. Don't worry. Okay, Andrew, your first question. Fill in the blank. Go K blank. J? I've said go KJ before. I guess that's technically. See, I don't know what to do here because these really easies were open to interpretation. <laughs> that could be go KJ Adams. We were looking for go KU. I'll, I'll take what's on Blake's hat. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. Because again, that was open for the whole point of that really easy question was that you're going to get it right no matter what. Is it, I mean, I guess it's your call. Are we accepting that answer? I mean, again, like, go KJ is some... I didn't clarify, like, what is KU's... Go That's KJ true. could be a thing. It That's is true. KJ Adams. It could have been, like, rock, chalk, Jayhawk, go K. Right. If I would have said that, then it would have... But I left it open for interpretation. So it is what it is. We're going to count it. All right. On to the easy round. Blake, back to you. What jersey number did Frank Mason wear at Kansas? Zero. That's right. Zero. All right, Andrew, back to you. You had a Jersey question earlier today, which is not your your favorite, but it works out this way. You got another Jersey question here. Andrew, what Jersey number did Devontae Graham wear at Kansas? Four. Yep, number four. Must have been a big, big Brett Favre fan or something. Just kidding. Okay. On to you, Blake, into the medium round. Blake, the all-time big eight... Big eight leader in assists is this former Jayhawk point guard. Cedric Hunter. Mm. Unfortunately, the correct answer is Jacques Vaughn. Okay. Andrew, for you. The all-time Big 12 leader in assists is this former KU point guard. The Aaron Miles. That is Aaron Miles. 
And so, uh, Andrew, you get through here. Bit of controversy at the beginning. Um, the go K. Why did you say go KJ? I was just trying to be funny. I mean, the way you phrased the question was fill in the blank. Go K blank. Okay. Go KJ Adams. I mean, again, we left it open for interpretation, so we didn't clarify, so that's on us. So it, it does count. Blake, um, why, why'd you go with Cedric Hunter there on that question? I, don't, I thought Ed was right. I guess I just I just missed that one. I thought he was kind of up there on our assist leader chart, so I thought that would have been him. But and he certainly is up there. I not. Yeah, Jock Vaughn ended up being the answer. Would you have known the answer to the Aaron Miles one? Yeah. Okay. Andrew, would you have known the uh, answer to the Jock Vaughn one? Yes. Okay. I also would have got the go KU question right. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, Blake, we're, we're going to hook you up with an RCST t-shirt nonetheless as, <laughs> as a part of that. Again, that that's on us. We should have clarified. We should have, like what Nick said, rock chalk, go K blank. And then that would have been, but because we left it at go K, the, the J, <laughs> I guess, did apply because of the KJ Adams. So I'm sorry about that. that. That's not how I intended for this to go. And I feel bad for you there, but we will give you a trivia t-shirt as, uh, as recompensation there, if that works for you. Sounds good. <laughs> well, Andrew, you're moving on to the uh, sizzling 16 for the second time in your trivia history. Uh, thoughts on the advancement? Yeah, we're just looking forward to getting to 23rd Street Brewery next week, having some Bill Self mac and cheese, maybe a Haney turkey stack, and have a good time at 23rd Street. Man, I I, uh, I don't feel great about that, to be completely honest. Tough. Um. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of speechless, to be completely honest. <laughs> I feel really bad for Blake because the, technically... The really easy questions have been the root of more controversy in this tournament so far. Yeah. I think uh, we anticipated. See, I mean, again, the whole point of the really easy questions that were today with like the filling in the blank was like, okay, yeah, they'll for sure get them. <laughs> and because we left it so open, go KJ, like that it does work, the KJ Adams, you know what I mean? Yes. And we didn't we didn't clarify with the rock chalk go K. It was clearly meant to be KU, but again, yeah. because we did leave it open, that technically is a right answer. You know what I mean? Even though it wasn't the answer we wanted, it technically yeah. was a right answer. So Technically, he did get it right because we left it so open for interpretation. And the so point of it was to get us. right because it was really easy. But I feel bad because that's technically not what we were looking for, even though it was technically right. So I feel really bad for Blake. Yeah, that's a that's a matchup where the officials get involved, team fouls out, and you just feel bad about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't feel great about that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's kind of an anticlimactic way to, to finish out trivia for today. Um, once again, our prizes this round, you get a RCST Trivia t-shirt from River App Print and Skate. You get a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and two tickets to uh, Sporting KC2. Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River App Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Home Field Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. We are scheduled right now to have two matchups coming at you tomorrow. Brian Rainey versus Kyle Coffey. That's the 4-5 in this region, 23rd Street Brewery region. And then Steve Klein versus Brett Doze, which is the uh, 7-15 matchup in the Pella Windows and Doors region. We might have one more matchup. There, there's one that's kind of up in the air that 
could be being rescheduled right now. So could have two, could have three tomorrow. We'll uh, kind of wait and see. But uh, RCST Trivia, we'll be back tomorrow. We have uh, more RCST, though, with Case of the Mondays coming at you in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk in the 5 o'clock hours. We get ready for Case of the Mondays. I'm having a bit of the Case of the Mondays after that last trivia matchup. I, I do want to clarify something else, so I already feel bad about how it kind of started with everything, and, and we're yeah. going to hook I mean, Blake up with some there prizes. Was, but yeah. Um, yeah. there's something else, too, we wanted to mention. Um, if you look at, like, specifically assist totals during when the Big 8 was a thing, technically Cedric Hunter was... Uh, it's actually somebody else who was the all-time leader. I yeah, forget his name from, from some other else. Like Tim Evans. Yeah, yeah. But from KU, it was technically Cedric Hunter. So technically, Blake would be right there. But uh, if you look at the KU media guide, and this is actually directly from the media guide, uh, if you go to like the the part about like what players have their jerseys retired at KU, and um, Jock Vaughn is on there, and literally it says for Jock Vaughn, the all-time Kansas and Big 8's assist leader with 804. Jock Vaughn earned blah, blah, blah. And it goes on. You go to his Wikipedia page. Calls him the Big 8 assist leader. So apparently, going into his final season, Cedric Hunter had 684 assists. Jock Vaughn had 642. Jock Vaughn's final season was in the Big 12. Yet because all the Big 8 teams were in the Big 12, they anybody who... You basically got grandfathered in. Like if you in. started your career in yes. the Big 8, it still counted. So it counted the, his final year of Big 12. So in a way, he got it right, but the correct answer still is like they acknowledge, the Big 8 does yeah. acknowledge Jock Vaughn as the all-time assist leader, yeah, if like that makes sense. Even stats. though he didn't do it all in the Big 8. Yes. So I, that makes me feel even Which, worse. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 makes, Blake, that makes it tough. Because it it was the wrong answer, but by and technicality, that, And that in a way, you know? demonstrates that the, this is a guy yeah, that he knew clearly his stuff, knows his right? stuff. Yeah, yeah, clearly knows his stuff. So, so Blake will be back for football, and we're hooking him up with some prizes anyway. So uh, don't worry. We, we have ways of taking care of people should uh, weird stuff like this happen. But nonetheless, yep. still congrats to Andrew. I, I don't want to take away, too, yeah. from the fact that, like, Andrew did, you know, he he's a well-deserving candidate moving on. And, sure. You know, uh, yeah. Okay. All right, let's get into Case of the Mondays. First up, sports betting in Kansas is having a Case of the Mondays. Okay. I did not know this. I'm sure this was the same for a lot of people. They woke up Saturday morning. They're like, hey, what's going on this weekend? Nah, I don't know. I'm just going to sit around. Oh, watch the Kentucky Derby. Great. Well, I'm going to bet on the Kentucky Derby. Sports betting is legal in Kansas. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently, you cannot bet on horses in Kansas. That is correct. And yes, it's funny you mentioned that because I literally had a friend. We had like a group chat. <laughs> and at like 10 a.m. Saturday morning, you get a text. Why can't I bet on the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> Why can't I bet on the Kentucky Derby horses? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I I didn't really look into it that deep deeply, but apparently I don't know if it's like some sort of monopoly or some sort of agreement, but I think it's the way it works is uh, the, for the Kentucky Derby specifically, there is only one specific horse sports betting app that you can use to bet on 
Like I don't know if I don't That's know how wild. that works. Like I don't know if they have a contract where it's like we are the only app where you can bet on like the Kentucky Derby or whatever. I don't know how it works exactly. Like I said, I didn't do that much research into it. Uh, and I was actually told a little bit about it from one of my friends, but I guess that's how it works. So, yes, you were definitely not alone, and I'm sure there were many Kansans who woke up Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon and were like, oh, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I'll throw five bucks on Mage. <laughs> no, you won't, and then you'll lose. I'm glad that one of the horses we picked, by the way, in that game ended up winning in, in Mage, as you mentioned. Yes, or as you like to say, Mage. Mage. That's, I think my, that my, might be the dumbest my, thing you've ever said. My wife pronounced it. I came home and I was like, I because I, I was like broadcasting a bunch of like softball games for the uh, Heart Conference tournament over the weekend. And so I came home late Saturday night and uh, I, I asked my wife, I was like, oh, did you watch the Kentucky Derby? And she was like, yeah, some horse named Madge won. <laughs> she did not say that. Yeah, she did. No way. She really did. How do you not know how to say Madge? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, what are we doing? How do we not know how to say mage? It's not it. even a complicated word. It's four <laughs> letters. Four. Oh, great. Uh, I do think it's funny, though. Like, you just talked about why it is. So, like, there is, like, a logical reason there. But I, I think it's very funny to the idea of being like, yeah, we can legally bet on people who technically a person could throw a game. Easily. They could cheat. They could, I don't know, they could do something well, versus a horse. The horse has no clue what's going on. It has no clue, like, who's betting on it. just likes to run. Like, why can we bet on people, but we can't bet on horses? I just the think other that's, part of that's this, silly. Uh, sports betting that has case of the Mondays is this actually just happened today. Iowa baseball is under investigation that's for right. sports betting. And so, Alabama, their the baseball Alabama, coach yes, last so week was fired. is definitely having a, a case of the Mondays. Yeah, it is. Uh, Wes Peary is having a case of the Mondays. Okay, so for the people in, living in the Kansas City viewing area, you may know what I'm may know what this is about. Wes Peary is a meteorologist for uh, the NBC station in Kansas City, and he had he was guilty of having the worst timing <laughs> of all time for the Kentucky Derby. So imagine this: you're sitting on your couch, maybe just like I just I was doing this. So maybe you're doing the same thing I was. I'm sitting on my couch. It's like 5.50. Kentucky Derby's about to start. I'm kicked back. I'm relaxing. I'm having a mint julep. I'm enjoying life. Were you actually? No. No. Oh. <laughs> but I'm enjoying very life. festive of you. No, I don't. I wasn't having a mint julep. Enjoying life. And then the announcer goes, and now we go to Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champion for the Kansas City Chiefs, to give the most famous words, riders up. Because Patrick Mahomes, and here comes old Wes onto the screen. Hey, we got a tornado in Northwest Missouri that I need to tell you about right now. Misses the entire match Mahomes thing. They cut back after Mahomes is already done. Boom. That's it. I think they 100% didn't know Mahomes was going to be they on there. They definitely didn't. No. They were just like, oh, okay, let's do this now yes. before like it before actually starts. starts. Yes. And then and they're like, like, crap. So on one hand, it's like, Safety, you know that's very yeah, important. Sure. Right? Like we got to get you got to get the word. The out, one right? thing that can stop Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is tornadoes. But on the other hand, like I, I think there was uh, I saw on social media there was some disgruntled uh, fans, I guess, or Chiefs fans, or what you would say. But you know what? Listen, safety's important. You got to make sure the words out there. Make sure everybody's safe. And it's okay if you miss Patrick Mahomes doing the right stuff. The great thing about 2023 is you can find it instantly on social media. You can find the video clip anywhere you want. So I'm I'm in, I am Team West here. Team West. Okay. Uh, Caleb Williams is having a case of the Mondays. Here's why. Bronny James, the son of LeBron James. Okay. He announced his commitment to USC over the weekend. And so Caleb Williams is going to probably be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. He's the Heisman front runner. Certainly a Heisman. He just won the Heisman, He's right? Heisman final. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but now he's the second most popular athlete at USC. That, that is, I know brutal. that might sound a little crazy because yeah, you know, is that hyperbolic? In theory, like the NFL has more fans than the NBA. Football technically probably has more fans than basketball, but I don't think it is hyperbolic because Bronny James with LeBron James is like kid. Yeah, I I think no, there's I mean, going to be like, that's all you need to say. LeBron you know James I mean? is kid. You don't even need to expand yes. on it. You just say LeBron James is kid. Caleb Williams, Bronny James show up at a party. Who's getting recognized first? I think Bronny James. Yeah. Well, who's who's getting more attention? Certainly, Bronny. Bronny James, James, right? You know. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Do you think that's going to rattle Caleb Williams' confidence, and he's going to be bad now? <laughs> no, that will not. But that is weird because nor I mean, normally you're at any school if you're that Heisman winning quarterback. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you I, might be wrong. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Okay, on three, the, the like recruiting website, they have that uh, like the. The NIL valuation oh, tracker yeah. thing, yeah, and I don't know how accurate that ever accurate. is. No. I I don't know, but it gives you at least like a, maybe a ballpark, maybe could sure. Bronny James is listed at five point nine million. Wow. Caleb Williams is listed at two point six. Oh my. So we just use that for like popularity, which I know that's Holy not the be all end all. That means he's double popular. Wow, dude, six mil. Yeah, crazy. Uh, the San Francisco Giants clubhouse toilets are having a case of the Mondays. Okay, so the Giants and the San Diego Padres played a little mini two-game series in wild Mexico. Wild series. In Mexico. Yeah, wild series. So, like, the if you don't know, the, the series in Mexico, the stadium that they're at was, like, 7,000 feet above sea level, <laughs> which, like, for instance, Colorado is, like, 5,200. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, I think it was, like, 11 home runs were hit in the first game. <laughs> the Giants became one of, like, 10 teams of all time to hit five home runs in a game and be out-homered in the game. It was it was wild. But there's also uh, okay. a little aftermath here. So, that, so, yes. So, they played a two-game series in... Uh, in Mexico back on April 29th and April 30th. Afterwards, Giants pitcher Logan Webb said that after the trip, three quarters of the team had mm. the runs. And I don't think he's referring to the many runs that Not were scored. Not the many in runs the game. that were scored. Here's the quote from Logan Webb Quote It's been a mental grind. It's been a, this is, he's talking about the series, like the trip and everything. It's been a mental grind. It's been a physical grind. I think three quarters of our clubhouse. Has the blank? <laughs> yeah. Now he bleeps. said. He said. Yeah. Beep. <laughs> I'm gonna call it the runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but he said something else. So, anyways, the Giants basically uh, their toilets in their clubhouse are having a case of the Mondays. Yeah, man. For long that week reason. for them. Long week for them. Little Montezuma's yeah. revenge. That's for sure. All right. Uh, Chris Beard and many other college basketball coaches' defensive strategy is having a case of the Mondays. Because uh, the NCAA Basketball Rules Committee proposed this recommendation last Friday about a change to the legal guarding position on block and charge scenarios involving defenders around the basket. The proposed change requires the defender to be in position to, quote, draw a charge at the time an offensive player plants his foot to go airborne to attempt a field goal. Under the recommendation... Hey, I have a dumb question. Yeah. What, what is the current rule? So the current rule... Basically, I'll, I'll tell you what this means. Let, let me finish. The other quote, if the defender arrives after the offensive player plants a foot to launch toward the basket, officials would be instructed to call a block when contact occurs between the two players. To legally draw a charge, a secondary defender still has to be outside the restricted area arc. So um, this wouldn't get rid of all blocks and charges, or, or all charges, basically. There would still be a lot of charges. But this would basically get rid of the charge. How often do you see a time where a guy runs into the lane, 
gets by his guy, jumps in the air to take a floater, or jumps in the air and then is going to pass it, and a secondary defender comes over as they're already in the air and takes the charge. Okay. That would That's what it that. would get rid of. Okay. The secondary help defender coming over and taking that play. Okay, I have a That proposal. is the entire Chris Beard and what a lot of other coaches have now developed their defense on. Okay, I have a proposal for the NCAA. Stop changing the rules every year! What? Why are we... Why? Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to change the rules every year? Like, what is the purpose? They already suck at officiating the rules as they are anyways. Why do you keep changing them? What? What are we doing here? I mean, seriously, yeah. how can you expect the officials to be competent when you keep changing the rules? So I, I understand what you're saying. And the officials it, are already not very good. It ends up being a, a textbook that's way too big for the rules. But, like, this is one of those where, come on, like, I, I am all on board with this. Please, like, do something to avoid that exact scenario. But you know what's going to happen? For the first five games of the season, they'll, they'll call, call all of them, and then they'll never call it again. See, I... That's, all, that's think, what happens. But if it's in the rule book, I think they will continue to call it. I think what you're talking about is it's what like happens at the beginning of every year. Stuff they talk like the about. Stupid, no, because one year they talked about traveling, and they called a billion no, travels, that's that's and then the they didn't do it anymore. They talk about what they're going to emphasize that year, and they emphasize it for the first month, and then it goes away. This would be a new rule. I think that's different. I think it's different. I don't know, man. If I were a player, I'd be so annoyed. I'd be like, just keep the rules for like more than one year. Don't change them. How about this other uh, proposed change, by the way? It would force coaches to be much more discerning in the final two minutes of the game. If they ask for a video review in the final two minutes and the call isn't overturned, it would cost them a timeout. Okay, here's what I care about. Does this mean more or less reviews? Less. Then yes, do it. Okay. So what happened if they're out of timeouts? Would they get a technical? I, I... I guess that would be insane. Know. You just couldn't call. You would just every coach will save a timeout know. to the end. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. No, no. What what we need to do is we. Go, I think we had this discussion earlier. What we need to do is make it to where you have to use X number of timeouts before two minutes, and after two minutes you only get because because dude, what invariably happens is both teams will have eight timeouts with like two thirty left in the game, and less two and a half minutes takes thirty minutes. So I'm, I'm in favor of making a rule where once you hit the two-minute mark, you only get, like, two timeouts. Mm-hmm. And whatever, however many timeouts you saved, no, they're gone. Sorry. Okay. Cordial- Less stoppages with two minutes left in the game. Mm. That's all I care about. Cordial NASCAR events, having a case of the Mondays. Fights going on. Kansas Speedway, you were there. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, this was a good one. The fight took place between Ross Chastain and Noah Gragson. I have no idea who either of those people are. Basically, one guy drove another guy into the wall, and they didn't like it. And so after the race, they started having a conversation. That conversation turned into one guy grabbing another guy, which then turned into fist to face. <laughs> I'm surprised this doesn't happen more in NASCAR. It, I mean, okay, um, it kind of does. It kind of does. But I think... For like more people who don't follow NASCAR, like I used to be a huge NASCAR fan. I'm not so much now, but I used to be when I was a kid, and I still like NASCAR. I went, I went to the race on, on Sunday. Uh, for people that maybe don't follow the sport as closely, the drivers generally it, interact with each other like on a daily basis, right? So it's not like a situation where you get into a fight with a guy and then like that's it. You don't have to see him ever again. So like they have conversations all throughout the week, and like if you're on the same team. You're 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 definitely talking with the same with the same guys all the time, right? So I think that's why you don't see it as much, is because a lot of times that kind of stuff happens behind closed doors. 
where, you know, on Monday or Tuesday, whatever, they'll have a team meeting or whatever, or they'll have a driver's meeting and that they sort it out there. So that's why I don't think you see, you see it spill out as much, like, immediately after. But it certainly does. And there have certainly been some rather famous or infamous fights that have, that have happened. But, uh, yeah, listen, NASCAR is kind of entering an era where there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot less respect given on the track, I think, for good or, for good or worse. Uh, let's see. Following the rules is having a case of the Mondays. The commanders reportedly inquired about Andrew Luck in 2022, according to John Keim of ESPN.com. Okay. What's wrong with that? Well, here's what's wrong. Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, took to Twitter. If any NFL team attempted to contact Andrew Luck or any associate of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy. Bum, so is this because Andrew Luck was still technically still under contract for the Colts? Yes, correct. If like if he comes back, he technically would just Wait, how's that the contract, I guess. How's that no, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know if he's been res- retired for like four years now. But I think when you retire you're, what, they just pause your contract? Right. They say it's paused? Because remember, Rob Gronkowski retired, and then he came back, and the, the Patriots had to trade him to the Buccaneers. I think to avoid, basically, they have that rule in place to avoid somebody being like, Well, but there was a story about, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. I'll just retire, story about or retire and sign somewhere the, else. This, there was a story about the Patriots wanting to trade Gronk to the Lions, and so he retired. Allegedly. Sure. And then he unretired, and they took him to the Bucs instead. Yeah. It happened, but that happened like a year or two later, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be funny if, if Washington ended up losing. Well, the listen. Draft picks for this. Personally, I am absolutely shocked that the Washington organization did something that might be of questionable uh, integrity. What's interesting too is I that I am just so appalled by that. Jim, I can't believe well, that such an upstanding organization like the Washington Commanders would do something like that. Jim Irsay has been very outspoken about Dan Snyder like leaving the team. So I wonder if this is his way of like he was trying to get revenge. He's going to be like, well, screw you. I'll just sign Andrew Luck. But that was never going to happen. Uh, German Chicago Bears fans are having a case of the Monday. <laughs> okay, this is an interesting story. So, uh, the the Chiefs are going to play in Germany for the next two years, and it was reported that they're going to play the Bears this year and the Panthers in 2024. Well, according to Peter King, the Chiefs might be saying, "Hold on a second. When you're the home team, which the Chiefs are the home team this year, so right now the Chiefs are going to have eight home games, eight away games, plus the German game. When you are the designated home team of a foreign game." You have the option to basically take one of your home, one of your regularly scheduled home games and say, we do not want that home game to be on foreign soil. Okay? And Peter King uh, believes that the Chiefs may do this with the Chicago Bears game because Bear, the Bears have a strong fan base. It's close to Arrowhead Stadium. And the, the belief is that the Chiefs would want to keep that money and revenue at Arrowhead. And also that Bears fans would travel well to Germany and make it, I guess, Less of a quote-unquote home game for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. So the Chiefs have that option. They can nix that. And the idea here being is that the NFL is not going to send the Chiefs and the Bills overseas. They're not going to send the Chiefs and the Bengals overseas. So the Chiefs can say, we want to keep the Bears here and basically force the NFL's hand to be like, well, I guess we'll do like the Chiefs and the Dolphins yeah. or something. No, I mean, I, I don't know the truth of this, but there was a rumor last year that, because if you remember, the Buccaneers played uh, over in Germany against the Seahawks, and there was a rumor that the Bu- they wanted the Bucks to play the Chiefs because they, they 
obviously the Chiefs are playing there because they the Chiefs have a, a kind of good relationship and, and stronghold over there. Yeah. That they were like, oh, this will be perfect. Well, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes in Germany, this will grow the game out in Europe. And that the Bucks used their yeah. Knicks to be like, nope. And then they're like, all right, well, Seahawks it is, right? So I, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, that's just the reporting that came out today. So anyways, if you are a German Chicago Bears fan, case of the Monday. Sorry. Uh, last one, Bob Huggins is having a case of the Mondays. Uh, so this is just not good. Bob Huggins uh, was doing a live radio show. He's doing an interview, and he was asked about the Xavier University kind of like rivalry and their fans. And he used a homophobic slur. He used to be the coach of Cincinnati. Yes, correct. And that is like low-key. It doesn't get as much shine because neither team is like in the national limelight. That is low-key one of the best rivalries in terms of just like pure hatred of each other. I mean, they they, they had the fight a couple years ago. Like, they, they hate each other. Uh, but anyway, not important here. Um, yeah, he used like a homophobic phobic slur at the uh, Xavier fans. But that's not going to fly. And yeah, since so. he has issued an apology... Uh, West Virginia is investigating the incident. We'll see what comes of it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Case of the Mondays. We're going to get on to some uh, more sports talk here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll be back after this. Uh, Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.